Welcome to Reimagining Schools, a podcast from the Edupreneur Academy. Today, I'm talking with Andrew Mulchaney, whose experience as a Teach for America alum, a public school teacher and educator, and later helped found two public schools and then 100 student-led businesses. We're chatting a little bit today about his experiences and the challenges he's faced and the ways he's been able to overcome those challenges. Andrew, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing? Um, well, Aaron, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Andrew and I have known each other, gosh, it's probably been five or six years now at least. Um, we met while at K-12, so kind of doing some national uh, professional development things. We met a long time ago and quickly realized that Andrew's definitely kind of cut from the same cloth. We definitely have a lot of mutual interests, and so I thought it would be fun to get to know a little bit about you on our podcast and hear about your adventures in education. So love for you to just start with that and tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into education in the first place and and what you've been up to. For sure. I appreciate the invite and it's, it's always great to be connected with you. I, my sort of entry point into education came, I think like many people who become teachers, um, in that it, it came sort of unexpectedly, um, I was, it really starts my roots in education and being an educator and sort of what brought me to that start in childhood, actually. Um, I went to a bilingual like immersion program um, with Spanish and English growing up. Um, And it was part of the public school system where I grew up in Northern Virginia, Fairfax. And um, I just had like really transformative, great learning experiences that were rooted in learning Spanish and learning cultural competencies and learning to connect with other people and sort of bringing empathy into sort of this front and center dynamic of being a student, of being a learner and being someone who was open to those things. And I, I, I have reflected many times about my own like public school experience. Um, and I think that is like probably the most important thing that I learned was like how to be empathetic and how to be thoughtful about the experience that other people were having, um, whether that was a classmate or, you know, somebody on the other side of the world. So fast forward to college, I was a Spanish major and communication minor and um, Teach for America showed up at JMU, James Madison University, where I went to school. I didn't know anything about TFA. Um, At the time, it was like, hey, come be a teacher for two years, you know, in underserved schools and make a positive difference. And that sounded great to me. Um, So I was going to do that and then go to law school and sort of figure it out from there. Um, And what I didn't really realize at the time when I got into teaching and when, when, you know, sort of through Teach for America was that the purpose of TFA sort of functionally was to bring, you know, high performing, um, mostly recent college grads into classrooms and, and to help train them to become teachers. I got a master's degree in education while I was doing that in my first two years. But really what TFA is designed to do is to create a network of people that are focused on educational equity and are focused on being champions for that, for life. You know, not just the time you spend in the classroom, but really, you know, creating experiences, creating exposures for for educators to make a difference, yes, in the short term, Um, but to also become people who are committed to that in the long term. And that really, really happened for me. Um, So I ended up teaching for seven years 
uh, mostly high, in high schools and in middle schools. And I got exposed to entrepreneurship um, as an educator in a really interesting way. Um, I was teaching at a school in Washington, D.C. called um, Eastern Senior High School. And um, I have to shout out the principal at the time. Her name is Rachel Skerritt. Uh, she was a, a role model for me. She still is. Um, and she connected me with a program called Build. And Build is an entrepreneurship education organization that uses entrepreneurship as a means of helping students stay engaged in school, creating meaning for them by teaching them how to launch businesses um, and then also how to be like the CEO of their life. And so ironically, I was like a 20, I was like 24 at the time. I was, you know, very fresh, um, still as an educator. I found a lot of parallels in the curriculum that I was learning to teach um, to students um, about how to, you know, ide ideate and how to be creative and how to do self-reflection and thinking about what are the things you're passionate about that you might want to start a business around. I found myself using that curriculum sort of personally as like an educator being like, what am I passionate about? Like, what, what are the things that I'm doing that are meaningful? How am I creating meaning? How am I creating opportunities for myself, for colleagues, et cetera? And so I ended up helping launch over a hundred led student businesses over the course of four years, both as a teacher in this program and then as a program manager operating this program at multiple schools. And so it was really this like transformative moment for me of like education and entrepreneurship not only can coexist, but they, they sort of have to coexist. They have to work hand in hand. And it's especially powerful when you put the tools of entrepreneurship in the hands of young people um, who, you know, don't have the, um, all of the same sort of understandings of like barriers and limitations that even young adults, like I was at the time, uh, experience, right. I just didn't, I, I didn't realize at the time how powerful that was going to be. So fast forward to that was from like 2011 to 2015, fast forward to 2017. Um, I co-founded an ed tech company with a, an educator friend of mine named Allison Wood, and who's also just a close personal friend of mine. Um, and the company was called Edvario. Edvario was a, a curated platform for educators to find and share um, effective strategies for classroom leadership and instruction. Um, and we, you know, we sort of found ourselves as teachers and then as school leaders being frustrated that there weren't places for, there wasn't one place for an educator to go and say like, I wanna know how other educators solved this problem in their classroom, right? Anything mm -hmm. from like, how do you effectively teach fractions to fifth graders or um, how do you engage multilingual families beyond back to school night, right? Like these are really common situations that educators face. And we like couldn't find a place where educators themselves could say, this is what I did. This is how I solved that problem. Um, there's like, there's research about those things, but that can be very dense um, and not, you know, not efficient to use. There are a lot of products that exist from textbook companies and other, you know, ed tech companies, some of which are very effective and some of which aren't. Um, so we, we created Edvario with this notion of like educators need to be the, the best and sort of most direct resource for one another to share that information. And so it was a really, really powerful experience doing that and, and helping lead 
um, at Vario for about three years, we learned a lot of things. I and mean, we learned that teachers wanted to be creative and wanted to be innovative, but needed a lot of support to do that. Um, because regardless of whether or not teachers were in an urban setting or in a rural setting or somewhere in between, they tended to lack resources, they tended to lack time, they tended to lack support structures, and so they were going it alone a lot. Um, and we also learned that school districts and charter management organizations were in many ways kind of struggling to stay committed to the kinds of processes and the kinds of um, pedagogical approaches that they you know, sort of said they believed in, not because they were disingenuous by design, but because a lot of factors were influencing like what's going to, you know, what's going to drive our curriculum or what's going to drive our teacher evaluation or what's going to drive our, you know, sort of opportunities we create for students. For political reasons, for social reasons, those areas of focus tended to change really quickly, faster than teachers could adapt to them and certainly faster than students could adapt to them. So that was a, a big part of what we learned doing that. Simultaneously, I was at K-12 for all that time and working as a regional academic director and then as this you know, senior program manager on career learning solutions. Um, and, and really, I think the, the best things for me in, in those experiences was that it got me out of Washington, D.C. It got me out of just the D.C. area, which is where I had been working um, as an educator and, and in ed tech. Um, and I literally was able to travel the United States. I was in Maine and I was in Arizona and Pennsylvania and Indiana and Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas and Colorado and like mm -hmm. all of these places where I literally had never been before and certainly hadn't worked with educators. And so it just totally opened my mind to what are people, what are educators, what are students, what are stakeholders experiencing um, all around the country. And that, that guided so much of the work that I ended up doing at K-12, um, realizing that in some ways there was a lot of consistency around the struggles and successes that were being experienced by those stakeholders, but also very unique and very distinct dynamics that were local or regional or sort of state-based, um, just based on policy and based on laws and based on funding. Um, so it was, it was a really, really positive experience for me, um, you know, being there. Um, and then sort of beyond the time that I was at K-12, well, the very last year that I was there, of course, COVID happened. Um, and I was working on a team that was primarily focused on workforce development and sort of career learning opportunities. And so much of what I worked on and was, was focused on ultimately came back to entrepreneurship. It came back to startup organizations that were focused on trying to provide better opportunities um, for young people, especially. And so that got me sort of re-engaged and re-motivated to want to work with entrepreneurs and want to do that in a way that was um, both focused on education and focused on sort of like the ed tech space in general, but, but also kind of more broadly than that, like focused on a wider range of industries and verticals and thinking about how organizations get funding and how they pursue partnerships and that brought me to New Chip, um, you know, where I've been able to help run this global venture accelerator, uh, literally working with hundreds and hundreds. I mean, probably over the last year, like close to 800 startups have gone through our program um, from 65 different countries around the world. And so certainly not just ed tech companies, but companies in, in many different spaces. And 
having been a part of the development and sort of growth of the accelerator programming itself, but also from a kind of global program management perspective, as an educator, I, I have found that that has been a huge asset for me because I approach working with entrepreneurs very similarly to how I approach working with educators. You know, there's a lot of similarities between those two types of people. They're very capable. They're very um, committed. They're very passionate. They're problem solvers. They're people who um, are committed to changing the world and like making a, a difference uh, directly, you know, and um, that's a powerful thing. And so being able to harness some of that and turn that creativity into really scalable solutions is something that I love doing and have been doing for quite a while now. Yeah, that's fantastic, Andrew. There was a lot there, but I was so excited to hear about the Teach for America piece. I didn't know that, uh, that that was a part of your background. And so that's interesting because I felt like that was a really great target market for what I'm looking for in terms of supporting, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are interested in education, just because that really crosses us two over. And so I've really been focused on that. And I've, I've met with several other Teach for America alumni. I'm actually speaking at Teach for America this weekend. Um, so their alumni group awesome. here in Oklahoma City. So yeah, that's so that's so fun that, that, that you had that connection. And I, I think that kind of proves that tr- to be true, that I'm starting to really run into a lot of people that are passionate about education and entrepreneurship and how that's crossed over in their lives um, and what they're doing. <clears throat> so, and I didn't realize you were involved in the entrepreneur piece so early before, back before you were really involved with K-12 too. So yeah. that's interesting. And I was just thinking about, you know, for those that are kind of getting started in the entrepreneurship and education field, like kind of what advice would you have for them or what challenges, especially since I know that you've been pretty involved in the funding side of things, because that's typically, you know, one of the big challenges that I hear from people is, especially if they're wanting an in-person like location, you know, what are some of their avenues or um, what advice would you give for an early entrepreneur that's thinking about getting started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there are lots of factors. There are sort of like so many factors that can be a barrier or can be a potential blocker. I, I think my advice is to set those aside and focus on, on like why fundamentally, why you're interested in doing something entrepreneurial, right? Like what, what is your why? Like we talk about that as educators, like what's your why in the classroom? What's your why for working with students? I I think going through that same sort of reflective process as, um, as you sort of head down the path of entrepreneurship is like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, that being very clear about that and establishing like the kind of impact you would like to have, um, the kind of change that you would like to create. And also, I, again, from personal experience, like being open to that evolving, you know, mm-hmm. for me, my why has always sort of been centered around improving educational outcomes for students, um, like literally making better schools, making um the conditions in schools for learning and and the environment for learning, access to learning and different learning tools and modalities, et cetera, to make that more effective for young people. But I think for me, like one of the major evolutions that I've experienced is I sort of initially thought of students as just like K through 12 students. Like that was even as a teacher, as an early educator, that's sort of where my definition of student sort of stopped. And I realized that there are so many ways that 
through 12 programs or programs that at least that young people have exposure to while they're in middle school or high school can actually extend far beyond the time that they are themselves in high school. Um, and a lot of the programming that exists now that I think is really innovative and effective, a lot of which was happening at K-12 and, and Stride and, and still is now, mm-hmm. helps young people sort of bridge the gap between I'm in high school and now I'm in college or some sort of you know career preparatory program and now I'm working, but I still am a student. I'm still learning. So the definition for me of student has evolved a lot. Um, back to your question, I, I think once you establish your why and you feel like that those are good enough reasons to to pursue something entrepreneurial it then just becomes about making connections with people and being very open to introductions and conversations and putting yourself out there I mean when I launched Inverio literally it was like conversations at coffee shops random email introductions um, people that were like six degrees of separation for me it's like it sounds cliche to say, but like, I literally just would have a conversation with anybody that would listen to me about my idea and what I wanted to do. And more often than not, people were interested in listening and would either get involved or would connect me with someone else who would get involved. Um, and that worked. And, and, you know, being, not being afraid of that feeling silly or feeling sort of new or, or different, mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate that I sort of got over that pretty quickly and was like, yeah, this is different and I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it and figure out, you know, how to take the next step. Yeah, that's great. And I, I completely agree that it is just about making those networks and connections and being willing to talk to people. And um, especially in the beginning, when you don't know a lot, find others that have been farther down that road than you. And that's really the purpose of kind of this podcast is to, you know, provide information for others who've been a little farther down the pathway and thinking about those things. So I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, as you're thinking about, you know, education, we, we both know, we all know there's no lack of, uh, you know, problems and struggles and challenges that we're facing with K through 12 education and higher ed as well. Um, but, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, big issues or main topics that you are interested in focusing on maybe some of the solutions for those? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, one of the things, so as a parent now, two young kids, a four and a half year old who is in preschool and getting ready for kindergarten next year, and we have a a one-year-old, something that I come back to a lot, both like personally and professionally, is how trust is established in schools and in sort of education environments more broadly, right? Whether it's a daycare or a preschool or a, a traditional public school or a charter school um, or a, a school related program, I think a factor that ultimately impacts um, everyone's engagement, you know, teachers' engagement, students' engagement, families' engagement, sort of uh, other supportive, you know, partner organizations, it comes down to trust and where they're where there are opportunities to build trust and to communicate and to learn more about each other and what people's priorities are, what they want out of an experience or out of time spent, you know, in in a school or in an academic setting, the more that that can be cultivated, I think the further programs can go and the more successful programs can, can be. If 
the trust factor is taken for granted. And quite frankly, I think from my own childhood, like I'm not so sure that there, there were tons of, you know, efforts that were made specifically to build trust explicitly, but implicitly parents were really involved in schools, mm-hmm. you know, PTAs and PTOs were strong and mm-hmm. yeah. um, there were opportunities for teachers and families to get to know one another and to build trust. Um, and ironically, I think through Facebook and through other tools that can be very positive and very powerful in terms of like digitally connecting people, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the like person to person connectivity of what some people think of as like a traditional school setting is actually a lot weaker now than it was um, even 20 or 30 years ago. And so that I think is really, really important, both for entrepreneurs, but also also for educators to think about like, what are we doing to build trust um, with our community and, and not to just do that sometimes, but to have that incorporated into everything that's being done. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It definitely is, starts with, I think, our culture, right? And our, our way of communicating with that culture um, to see positive outcomes, for sure. And that's definitely a challenge. It's interesting, too. I'm looking at, um, I'm sure you've probably seen this, too, a, a lot at Finland. And there's a kind of an upcoming event in Finland that's uh, possible to kind of see how they're running schools. And it's always interesting to see how other countries do that. But it definitely, for them, comes back down to like a cultural it's everybody's involved um you know that we have it's a different mindset for parents they don't start school until seven um you know so that puts a lot of uh emphasis on what happens at home between zero and seven and that's a lot about you know families and communities and how all that's connected together so that's really interesting that you that you brought that up thinking back on your sort of entrepreneur you know endeavors and your your base of knowledge on that. Is there anything that you reflect on that you wish you would have done differently or that you wish you had more resources on in the beginning of that process as you were getting started? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, one of the things that I both experienced and also, you know, sort of think back on and, and sort of wish I had had the opportunity to experience somewhat differently was that I, I felt like, um, and granted, this was like going on 10 years ago at this point, I felt like in, if, if I was going to be an educator and an entrepreneur, that I sort of had to do one or the other, or, or maybe like I had to leave the classroom or I had to leave being an educator mm-hmm. in order to fully pursue that. And I have sort of come to understand and, and see that that's not necessarily the case. Um, there are a lot of educators who even just within their own classrooms or doing things entrepreneurially, you know, they are thinking like entrepreneurs in the sense of they're problem solving, they're networking, they're leveraging resources in very creative ways um, to create outcomes, you know, that they otherwise couldn't. Um, And so I think programs and structures, whether it's through, you know, micro loans for teachers or whether it's through professional development or whether it's through, leadership development opportunities, any of those things or all of those things that can be done to help educators think and operate more entrepreneurially and also stay in the classroom and stay working with students directly, yeah, I think is really, really powerful. Um, and it's hard, right? Like not everybody wants to wear, 
you know, 10 hats at one time. I mean, teachers already do, right? If you're, it doesn't matter if you're a first or second or third year teacher, or if you're in your, you know, 20th or 25th year in the classroom, you're wearing many hats every day. Mm -hmm. That is very true and very similar to the experience that entrepreneurs have. But I think there are more ways now to balance both of those things and to do more entrepreneurial work, whether it's like, literally starting a business as an educator um, or launching a new program or leading some other new, you know, experience within a school setting that by every measure and definition is like an entrepreneurial thing that doesn't require all teachers to stop teaching or to stop working directly with students to do that. And I think staying connected um, that way is really, really important to, keep a pulse on what students are experiencing and what they, what their needs are and and how to continue to stay relevant in that way. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And I think sometimes that that happens, well, that happens a lot, right? It was that we lose really great innovators in education and teachers from the classroom um, because they feel like they need to do that in order to have a different experience. And so I, one of the things I'm really passionate about changing is sort of that mindset for undergraduate students working on teacher preparation programs I'm starting to see some of these pop up around the country, but they're kind of uh, degree pathways in education that are focused more on entrepreneurship and sort of thinking outside of the box. And so I'm starting to see some of those master's programs, doctorate programs pop up around the country that are focused on educational entrepreneurship. And I think that's a great place for us to focus in the future is that we're not just preparing teachers for one narrow pathway, right? We're not saying you have to just go teach in a classroom and that your, your only pathway is to be assistant principal, principal, you know, and go that traditional path that there are other ways that we can um, help your career kind of blossom into a different direction and really still stay focused on, you know, seeing change with, with students specifically. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, the idea that, <clears throat> you know, uh, from what I have experienced and observed working with many entrepreneurs is that like part of the part of the secret sauce, right? Like part of what effective entrepreneurs ultimately do is they're good decision makers. And that doesn't mean that they make decisions all the time that are correct, but right. it's that they're willing to make decisions fairly quickly based on good information and are able to build upon the decisions that are effective and the decisions that are not effective that end up being failures or end up being a mistake. They forget that in terms of the failure part, but build from what they learned, teachers have to do that too, right? That is exactly yeah. what teachers do. And so rather than leaving the profession, I think being in a place to build partnerships, being in a place to be an advocate for students or an advocate for a school system or an instructional approach, um, and to do that in an entrepreneurial way, the, the core sort of skill set that those teacher preparation programs have to focus on is decision-making and critical thinking and um, being able to synthesize information. Sometimes a lot of it in, and a lot of complex information really quickly um, Mm -hmm. that makes you a better teacher, you know, when you can do those things because you don't feel like you're stuck doing the same thing the same way. um, Even when your, your student body changes, right? Your classroom is different every year and it changes throughout the year. And so being open to those kinds of perspectives and operating and sort of thinking in that way 
is totally in a line with, you know, it's, it's, it's aligned with what great entrepreneurs do too. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that for sure. Yeah. Interesting. I think you, yeah, you hit on the point too, that entrepreneurs need to really be able to focus on, um, taking calculated risks, right? It is, it's all about just, you know, being able to take a lot of data and no teachers know how to do that, right? Take a lot of data and make a decision about what makes the most sense and being willing to, yep. to just sometimes go for it. So yep. that's great advice. Yeah. So what's in the future for Andrew? <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you passionate about for the future? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. A few things. I, I, back to what I said about Teach for America. I mean, I have thought about this and, and acted upon this a lot more recently because I have young kids and because they're in school and getting ready to enter kindergarten. I think for me, staying really involved as an advocate and as a partner and, and as a parent who wants to see all students succeed is really important for me, not just my own kids, but their peers and, and people in our community and beyond. So that's important for me. I, I plan to stay, you know, really involved and, and probably increase my involvement in that way mm -hmm. um, as my kids are, are going to school. Secondly, you know, I have experienced both at K-12 and at New Chip and with Adverio, um, the, the power of scale like the power of being able to replicate programs um, successfully mm -hmm. is another thing that entrepreneurs and educators alike are always trying to achieve, right? Like when you achieve results with one student or with one classroom, that's amazing. And that's worth it in and of itself. But being able to grow that and to replicate that and to scale that is really, really hard. And it's really important. Um, and so work that makes that possible, I think is really exciting for me um, because there's not a one size fits all solution in education. The same is true in business, but finding ways to scale and to grow um, things that work is, is fun and it's exciting. Yeah. And, it, and it also sort of makes the day-to-day -day hard work of, of being an educator or being an entrepreneur, I think worthwhile um, so I, I plan to stay focused on that and like working with organizations that are scaling and that are figuring out how to do that. Um, and then the third thing for me, and again, I've just, I, this is sort of how my professional and personal life has, have gone. And, and I plan for this to continue is I've often been involved in the development of new programs and the development of, of programs that, that are trying to grow out of something that has existed before and maybe experience limitations or experience barriers and trying to find solutions and processes and people that can help make them improve and grow. And so that's also really exciting for me is, is launching something new, um, figuring out how to operate it, you know, and sustain it, but also being enough of a risk taker to um, to find out, you know, what's going to work or what's not going right. to work. And so those are things that I think served me well early on in my career as an educator um, and, and continue to today. Fantastic. Well, for our listeners that are interested in networking with you or maybe would just like to connect, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? I know you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn for sure. The best? Andrew Multaney. Okay. Yeah. On LinkedIn yeah. And, and just reach out to me and, and connect with me and um, I, I schedule calls all the time with folks that 
are either entrepreneurs now um, or who are considering a career change or who are wanting coaching or some perspective on, you know, decisions that they're making or, or a situation that they're in. And, and I love doing that um, both through, you know, connections of friends and colleagues and, and also kind of randomly with people. So um, I'd be happy to. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. I appreciate it. It was great to hear your story and perspective and I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks, Aaron. This was awesome. We'll talk again soon. All right.